This is Geek 4, a podcast about fans, fandom, and fan culture. I'm Dr. Michael Boyce. Everyone likes something, but what are you a geek for? Aaron App is a Winnipeg-based journalist. He works full-time for the Canadian Mennonite, a national church publication, and writes a column about volunteerism and philanthropy for the Winnipeg Free Press. And Aaron is a hardcore Ghostbusters fan, which is what we're going to talk to him about today. Aaron, thank you so much for joining me, and who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. (laughs) My pleasure, Michael. Happy to be here. Let's start at the beginning of your Ghostbuster obsession, because I'm looking at you. Uh, we're recording this via via uh, Zoom. I'm seeing your Ghostbuster stuff. I've seen your Ghostbuster collection. Where did this all start? Yeah, so it, I was thinking about that in the last few days and looking through uh, photo albums from my childhood. So it was, and it was pretty wild because it started like when I was three and a half or maybe even younger. Like Wow. Um, yeah, so I have a photo of myself, I'm looking at it right now, of me on Christmas Day, 1987, and I was three and a half years old, and I'm holding a Peter Venkman action figure that I got that day. <laughs> um, what every three-year-old wants for Christmas. Yeah, exactly. So, and so, it, yeah, it begs the question, why did a three-year-old want that? Um, like, how would I have been sort of into it? Um, and I have photos from a couple months later, my fourth birthday party in April 88. And I'm about to blow out the candles on a, a Ghostbusters cake. Like it's the no lo- no ghost logo. Wow. Um, it was my cake. Um, so, so I'm not sure. So my guess is that I was exposed to the cartoon, uh, the real Ghostbusters cartoon. Mm-hmm. And then got into the toys as a result of that. And so that I think that's sort of where the whole Ghostbusters interest kind of begins. Okay, okay. Because yeah. my, my memory, I'm a little older than you. Like I would have been about grade four when the film came out. Those no ghost logo shirts were everywhere. I'm pretty sure if you look at my grade five or six class photo, five or six guys are wearing that shirt. Um, <laughs> but I don't remember a lot of toys connected with the film. The toy merchandise came out with the, with the cartoon. Um, and a lot of really cool stuff came out with the cartoon. Totally, yeah. Yeah, I think they realized they had missed an opportunity uh, with the original film, so they really started cranking it out with the cartoon. And so I have a distinct memory of receiving also the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man as a thank you gift uh, when I was with a ring bearer for my aunt and uncle's wedding. So that was also when I was four, like in the summer of 88. Um, and uh, I dressed up as a Ghostbuster for Halloween when I was in nursery school. Um, like I, I have a very distinct memory of climbing on this sort of indoor play structure at nursery school and all the no ghost logos that my mom and me had made to kind of put on my uniform kind of kept falling off. Um, and I was wearing rubber boots. That rubber boots was always a key part of the costume when I was a kid. I don't think they wore rubber boots. They were probably like combat boots or something, but. A reasonable facsimile for a, for a nursery school child. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. How did you fit the snowsuit under that? Winnipeg uh, Halloweens are often very cold. That's true. That's a good question. Yeah, I don't know if, uh, yeah, the costume was probably completely ruined just by throwing a park on. But. Put on a winter coat. <laughs> oh, that's so, that's so wonderful. So through the cartoon then, you're obviously exposed to the film. Yeah. How, do, how does the film rank? For you now, 
looking back on it? Um, well, just real quick, I did want to mention also too, um, we didn't, some of the toys that I never had were the, the headquarters, uh, like the firehouse uh, headquarters, and then also like the proton pack, like Kenner made those as well. Mm-hmm. But what was really cool too, is that, uh, so my dad made me a headquarters, Ghostbusters headquarters out of a box that he had found at work. Um, and it even had like a little balcony that the Ghostbusters could stand on. And, um, and then also like, I never got the proton pack, but my mom would make me and one of my younger brothers, Thomas, proton packs using uh, old Dutch chip boxes, empty old Dutch chip boxes <laughs> as the proton pack. And then to strap it onto us, she'd use, uh, she'd kind of rip up old cloth diapers and that would be the strap. Uh, and then the wand or kind of the, the gun part of the proton pack would be an old paper towel roll kind of connected to the pack with a string. So there's, there's a photo of me and, like I have two younger brothers, uh, Thomas and Daniel, and there's a photo of me and Thomas on my parents' driveway with our homemade proton packs, clutching the paper towel roll wands, just having the time of our lives. And uh, yeah, and that photo is especially meaningful to me because yeah, Thomas died uh, about two years ago, kind of suddenly and unexpectedly, so. Mm. Um, but it's also cool because, um, yeah, just to see that creativity from my parents and the way they kind of supported my love, not only by buying me the action figures, but sort of getting creative and making these homemade Ghostbusters um, toys for me. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of good childhood memories kind of surrounding Ghostbusters. And uh, yeah. I love that the whole Ep family got involved. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. So then I remember though, I wasn't allowed, I was, wasn't allowed to see the movie until I was 12, where that was sort of what my parents said. And I don't think it's because they object, objected to the content so much as they thought maybe it would be too scary mm. uh, for when I was younger. But I definitely ended up seeing it at some point before I was 12. And I, and I don't have a memory of the first time I saw it. Um, but uh, I did love it. And I remember when I would be in elementary school and if I got sick and stayed home from school, my mom would often ask me what she could do to make it better. And this, I would think to myself, I've got her right where I want her. And I would say, I would feel better if I could watch Ghostbusters. And we didn't have a copy, but there was a neighbor two doors down from us and she would call the neighbor and ask to borrow their copy. And then I would, uh, I, I would watch Ghostbusters, so. That's beautiful. That's yeah. beautiful. Your parents kind of trying to hold you off until 12. Like, Ghostbusters is a really interesting film in the way it's positioned. Like, it's, it's really, I think it's Bill Murray's, like, first PG comedy. But it's definitely pushing the edge of the PG. Like, it's scary. There's, there's a, some sexual innuendo and some language and stuff. But it was definitely, like, I wasn't allowed to watch Stripes but I could watch Ghostbusters because I that was about right. The, the right age. So it really was, I mean, it was my first exposure to Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd and the Saturday Night Live crew, SCTV crew that kind of made that, that film. Yeah. And there's so much casual smoking in the movie now too, <laughs> which is like crazy to, to watch. Like every second scene, there's a cigarette dangling from their lips. Yeah. 
for no reason. Just yeah, that's what that's what they do. But yeah, it's, and it's amazing how much probably went over my head too as a kid. Like there's uh, Dan Aykroyd. It's sort of uh, intimated that he receives oral pleasure from a ghost, and yes. uh, that I never understood exactly like why his pants were being unzipped by themselves. And it has nothing to do with what's going on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's from like a, a bigger scene that they cut, but I guess for some reason they decided to keep it in as a dream sequence or something. It's kind of bizarre. One of the more bizarre aspects of that movie. Well, and th- that is his real life wife, Donna Dixon. So like, I'm assuming that's why the, the scene got saved, but it's so bizarre. Yeah. But it actually raises a really interesting thing. Dan Aykroyd's original vision for Ghostbusters is not what was filmed. Like, I've heard rumors about what the original script looked like, and it sounds absolutely insane. Yeah. Yeah, apparently it was, um, like, it was supposed to be a project for him and John Belushi. Mm-hmm. I guess he died before they could actually make it. And I guess, I think in the original treatment that he had written, the, the Ghostbusters, the four of them, are just one team of many teams of Ghostbusters that are out there. Just like there are many firefighters or paramedics kind of in the world, there's there are many Ghostbusters. And uh, not only did they fight ghosts, but they kind of traveled through time and space, is my understanding. And I think they're even supposed to go to hell or something like that to to fight a demon or, or a ghost or something. So So yeah, quite... I think, uh, and there were supposed to be more, t- a lot more monsters than just Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Mm-hmm. Like, I think uh, Ivan Reitman said something like, if they had shot the movie Dan Aykroyd wanted, or like the first draft of the script, it would have been like $300 million to make it. Utterly unfilmable is how it sounds to me, especially in, in, in 80, early 80s. Like, that yeah. would never have, have done it. And it, I guess it's Harold Ramis who's really responsible for kind of wheedling it down to something filmable and and something that has managed to capture the imagination. I mean, there's all these pieces with Ghostbusters that kind of work together. There's the awesome song. Yeah, totally. Like, everybody knows that song. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was like classic, not many movies have a theme song that is like that iconic. And then the logo, which was literally everywhere. Um, people still co-opt it and use it for their own, for their own things. It's this really interesting cast of, of characters who have become beloved. Um, you know, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, um, who I absolutely love in everything. Uh, (laughs) and, and yeah, it's just this brilliant kind of synergy of all these different pieces working together to become this cultural thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's so funny too. And um, I think it's cool that it's just grounded in a very basic story of three guys starting a business, right? Like that's kind of what it that first movie boils down to. Mm-hmm. Uh, the business just happens to be, to be busting ghosts or, or smashing ghosts or, or dusting <laughs> ghosts. I think those were some of the titles that were considered was Ghost Smashers ghostbusters or i think the term ghostbusters was actually copywritten by another by another company so they had to get permission to use that which is why the cartoon is called the real ghostbusters yeah that's right 
there's a wonderful episode of the cartoon. And as somebody who was exp exposed to the film first and then the cartoon, and I loved the cartoon, there's this one episode and I've never gone back to watch it. And I should, cause it like, it's stuck in my memory. It's about the Ghostbusters preparing for the filming of the Ghostbusters movie. And it actually ends with the first scene of Ghostbusters. They just show it like Venkman running up the steps. And it was this moment I'd never seen before where two things kind of overlapped in this perfect way and just, wow. just loved it. I don't remember that episode. That's, that's pretty meta too. Like For the time, yeah. Wow. I hope I didn't make that up. It's entirely possible. I had a very vivid imagination as a childhood. We had a Ghostbusters club. Um, that's that's what we did. Um, other things like connected with the film, like um, like you know, there's rumors that Eddie Murphy was supposed to play the 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 Winston part, and I, I just read recently that the the original script, uh, the original sc shooting script uh, after the future time traveling version. Um, Winston had had a much more drawn out backstory and was much more important. That was all cut away. I've always felt like Winston's part is lacking. Yeah, I completely agree. Apparently, apparently, when Eddie Murphy was supposed to play Winston, and so it was a key role, like almost like just he probably would have had as much screen time as the other three guys. Mm -hmm. But then when Eddie Murphy passed on it, um, yeah, the role was cut down pretty significantly. And uh, I kind of like that Eddie Murphy didn't end up in, in it because I think that would have competed too much with Bill Murray. Like, it's sort of nice that Bill Murray's sort of, yeah, the main, I mean, humor arises from all the characters, but he's the one kind of mostly making kind of the pointed one-liners or, or whatever, that sort of thing. But, but at, yeah, to, to kind of get to your point, I think, Ernie Hudson and the the Winston character does it is kind of too bad that we don't see more of more of him. One of the things that I like about the sequel, Ghostbusters Two, is that it's it's Winston and Ray who are the two who do the birthday parties. Like the others have gone off, and it's right. Winston who's kind of stuck around. Um, there's not a lot I like about Two, but that's that's one of those pieces I do like. I felt like Winston had more to do. And I've always liked Ernie Hudson, so. Yeah, and he's like, in terms of the fan culture of Ghostbusters, like he's the one that is always at Comic-Cons and stuff like that, interacting with fans, which I thought has always been really cool. Um, yeah, that he is uh, sort of that dedicated to it and willing to kind of, uh, yeah, kind of be there for fans and, and celebrate the movie kind of with them, so. So it's kind of almost fitting that he is at the birthday party in Ghostbusters 2 because he does that in real life. So, yeah. If people want to see you at a birthday party, go to the <laughs> birthday party. <laughs> That's how I think. Yeah. Apparently, uh, Reginald Bell Johnson, the dad from Family Matters, was in talks to play Winston at one point. And he ends up as a security guard or in a prison guard. I don't know how accurate that is. That was just from IMDb. I, I saw that, but uh, that would have been a different film too. So it might be around. I can't remember when Die Hard comes out. He's in Die Hard. Like it may have. He may have been a, a rec as recognizable a face to to warrant a a good shot at the the part. But I, th I think um, Ernie Hudson's so good. Yeah, and completely underrated because of the the four. 
he's definitely the one who has the least name value. Um, Harold Ramis, if you knew SCTV, you knew who he was and you'd seen him in stripes and stuff, but Ernie Hudson just, he blows it away. Like he's so oh. good. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. kind of nice that he's the, he's kind of the face of Ghostbusters now. Yeah, totally. So what about the other, the, I mean, there's a whole extended universe of Ghostbusters now. Um, where, like, how do you navigate all that stuff? Yeah, I love it. I love it all. Um, uh, yeah, I, I like the sequel. I haven't seen it as much as the original. Um, I think it's, I don't think it's as good as the original. Um, but it's, it's a kind of a worthy companion to, to the first one. And there are a lot of, there are a lot of fun parts about it. Um, I, um, yeah, I have mixed feelings about the reboot. Um, but I, I would say, yeah, there are things I don't like, but there are things that I do like about it. I just, just rewatched it the other day to kind of familiarize myself with it again. And, uh, I mean, I was definitely excited for it when it came out and I saw it at least twice kind of in the theaters. So, yeah. Cause I mean, it had been so long that they'd been talking about doing a, th a direct yeah. sequel, a direct third movie. So it was great to see at least something was happening. Mm -hmm. um, and the reboot response from the fan community was very polarizing. Mm -hmm. Kind of that that dark side of fan culture, where if you make something in the in the thing that you like, and you it's not good, or you don't like it, or you disagree with the vision, it just becomes like this vitriolic hatred. Um, it kind of got crystallized in that film, unfortunately. Yeah, and. Yeah, so, and I didn't follow, I kind of knew that that was happening. I didn't really follow kind of specific critiques uh, that people were, were making kind of before the movie came out. Um, but uh, yeah, it's super bizarre. I, I feel like, like sort of, I guess we all do it to some extent, judging something before we've seen it. But to, it seemed like people were completely writing it off and like boycotting it for, yeah, a, yeah, a bunch of different, reasons that to me that struck me as pretty bizarre some of them but uh like i was talking about this with uh my wife mandy the other day um it, it definitely influenced the film in that they kind of there's a couple lines where they they kind of uh poke fun of youtube trolls um but then i also we were kind of wondering how it influenced the making of the film in other ways like i don't know what that would have been but i guess i guess i wonder what the film would have looked like if there hadn't been such a backlash to it prior to it, like even really getting into production. Yeah. Well, even being aware, I think like in the social media age, we are just aware that that kind of response is going to happen. So yeah, it makes sense that they kind of wrote it in, but I imagine the film being made in the, the early nineties before social media, before people could voice publicly that kind of antagonism and there weren't like online boycotts and things going on i think it actually would have been pretty well received it's it's a solid film like yeah there are problems with it but i i saw it in the theater and quite enjoyed it so yeah. although i've also been somebody who's like very comfortable going okay that's not for me someone else will enjoy that um it doesn't it doesn't do anything for me personally but okay Okay, see, that's good. That's an attitude I've, I've tried to cultivate, especially over the last couple of years. Like, not, not needing to be completely like, oh, this sucks. Like, 
this is terrible. Why did they make us make it? But more moving to, yeah, it's just not for me. Like, yeah, I think I've shared this story before on the podcast, but I'll do it very quickly. Like watching one of the Star Wars, the new Star Wars movies with my niece. And I was like, I don't know what's going on. And like, this doesn't mean anything to me anymore. And she's just like wide eyed with enthusiasm. And I'm like, okay, great. Yeah. Well, I also like, I mean, I, without um, being completely uncritical, I try to keep a pretty open mind, like with something like the, the 2016 reboot or, or the, the sequel that's coming out next year um, because like, I love the band U2. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like this. Cause I was explaining this to a friend the other day, like at this point, U2 only puts out an album every five years. So I try really hard to like it because I don't, if, if, if I don't like it, that means I have to wait like 10 years, like a whole decade for a U2 album that I do like. So, so it might not, not, might not be like the Joshua tree again or Optum baby, but I'm still going to try really hard to get into it. And I think it's similar with Ghostbusters stuff. Like, yeah, it's been so long that I'm really going (laughs) to try I'm intrigued by uh, what's the, do you know what the, the official title is at this point? Ghostbusters Afterlife is what I've seen. Yeah. It's had multiple titles. I mean, there's a part of me that's like, if you're going to do an official sequel, time's kind of passed. There's not enough in the trailer for me to really understand what's, what, what they're trying to do, but I'm intrigued. There's a part of me that will go back and, and sit happily in the theater and who are you going to call? Yeah. Oh, totally. I, I haven't watched the trailer um, kind of in the last couple of years for movies that I'm really looking forward to. I try not to watch the trailer or read too much about it or, or anything possible. So every time I've been in the theaters and the trailers come on, I've left the theater <laughs> <laughs> or I've sat there uh, like with my eyes tight, tightly shut and like with my hands over my ears, kind of going la 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 to myself. So I don't hear anything just because I want it to be a totally fresh experience uh, when, when I go in there. Yeah, I like that. That's, that's how you approach it. Hand over the head, hand over the face. La 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 la. But I think that the fact that uh, Jason Reitman is doing it, um, Paul Rudd's in it. Everyone loves Paul Rudd or I love Paul Rudd. So there's one thing I'm a geek for. The eternally youthful Paul Rudd. That's right. So I think it's, it's, yeah, it's promising. Well, and the kid from the kid from Stranger Things is in it. Stranger Things has the best Ghostbusters cameo thing. Um, you know, the kids arguing about who gets to be Spangler. Or, that was ge- yeah, genius, right. and so it just makes sense to move that kid into. Although by the time that movie actually gets to come out, he might be like a thirty-year-old man. So yeah, yeah. Hopefully, it's supposed to come out March fifth, and. I realize there are more important things in the world, but my fingers are really crossed. But there is so much bad in the world. Just give us Ghostbusters. Just put it on Netflix or something. Just so little else to live for. All right. Is there anything else about Ghostbusters you want to share that you're dying to share? I think, I think we may have covered it. Yeah. Oh, other than maybe it's exciting that Hasbro has been reissuing the Kenner toys. Yes. Those look spectacular especially because, and this, my mom won't be happy that I'm bringing this up. She ex- told me not to when I told her I was doing this, but she gave away my Ghostbusters toys. Um, 
at one point. Mom. And, and it was fine. Like, it was fine because I don't know how much I cared about them at that point. Like, they'd just been in my parents' basement after I had moved out. But, of course, like, a year or two later, I was probably like, you know, where are those toys? So, anyway, I've been trying to kind of buy back at least the original ones. So, I'll often look on Kijiji to see if anyone's selling their Ghostbusters stuff. And, like, the, the original Kenner toys. So, that's been fun. Do you have a proton pack now? No. <laughs> Yet. That's right. It's inevitable. One of the maintenance guys at my work has a, has a vacuum cleaner that goes on his back. And every time I see him with it, I, just, I have to say like, <laughs> oh, you're a Ghostbuster. If, if there was Halloween this year, I, I would probably uh, borrow that to go as a Ghostbuster. All right. Are you up for some, some quick answer? Fast four. Let's do it. All right. On a scale of one to 10, one being the least, 10 being the most, how geeky do you think you were in high school? Um, five. Ghostbusters 2 or Ghostbusters Reboot? Ghostbusters 2. Besides Ghostbusters, what is your longest running fandom? Um, probably Van Halen. Nice. What is the most recent thing you have geeked out over? Um, probably horror movies and the novels of Stephen King. I have a horror episode coming up soon. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Where can people find you on social media? Yeah, Twitter's probably the best one. So it's twitter.com slash Aaron App. Just my name. I'm hoping that when this episode comes out, I'll post some photos of some of the photos I was talking about. Oh, yes. Uh, People want to go to my Twitter and check it out. Um, They'll see some of those photos. I will definitely link to those. And your column appears in the free press, so buy a paper, people. Yeah. Support local papers. Print is not dead, no matter what Egon Spengler says. (laughs) He said that in 1984. He was wrong. Thank you very much for your time and talking about Ghostbusters. Absolutely my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Michael. Thank you for joining me on Geek 4. You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Geek4Pod or me on Twitter at MWBoyce. If you listen on Apple Podcast, click the subscribe button and consider leaving a five-star review. Be sure to join us next time when we learn what someone else is a geek for. <laughs>